0: Hello, guys, and thank you for listening. In today's podcast, we had a technical glitch with the way that we recorded it, and Father's voice is volume is much lower than normal. We have figured out the problem, and it'll be much better for future episodes, but for this particular one, you will notice that Father's voice is going to be a little bit quieter than mine. Nonetheless, we hope that you enjoy this cast, and we look forward to seeing you again next week. Hello and welcome to another podcast of Father and Joe. I am Joe Rocky here with Father Boniface Hicks. And today, Father, wanted to do one of the topics that is going to happen to each and every one of us eventually, and that would be each of our death. And how do we go about that, both whenever it's something we prepare for, and as well as those around us. Who has passed away and how to deal with that process effectively. Um, with a lot of grief in that situation, there can be a lot of ways to handle that. And with that being a very, very big topic, I wanted to see if you had any beginning thoughts as far as how we should go down this conversation.
1: on a personal level uh, my my own mother died the 11th of December this year or last year now 2017 mm-hmm. and living through that experience it's uh, I've had several experiences of death from my uh, a lot of the monks have died in the 20 years that I've been in the monastery I've been able to uh, accompany people up to and to the moment of death but but it was definitely a, a unique experience to be there with my mother as she her last breath, and to face the mystery of what happens then, when her chest no longer expands, and she's gone, she's inaccessible to us, her body is still there, although that quickly starts to die without the animation of the soul, and then to really face that reality, (laughs) and that's something that we can do better as Christians, because we have faith in the immortality of the soul we believe that we do go before God, God who is a merciful judge, God whom my mother was able to come to know in Jesus Christ, and then we can start to look at life in a little different way, because as you said, Joe, it's a moment that all of us are going to face, all of us are going to die, none of us is going to get out of this alive, and so we have to be willing to look at that seriously, I think we spend a lot of time running from death death mm-hmm. being in denial about death and being able to look at it and that's a it's a practice a, a traditional religious practice the memento mori remember your death and sometimes you've seen pictures of monks who have skulls on their desk in order to look at that skull and realize as they say what you are I was the skull says and what I am very freeing experience because we start to look at our lives differently. When I think about the last moment of my life, how does it change the way that I behave today? Sometimes we get so worried and, and fuss over things that just don't matter that much when we look at it from the perspective of death. So anyway, I just uh, opened up about four different boxes with uh, with those initial comments. But um, just to, to come back to the point that Looking at death is something that we can do better as Christians. The death of others whom we mourn, and I do miss my mother, and I've shed many tears over the loss of her. As much as I remember her, as much as I believe that she's in a better place, that her suffering of many years from Parkinson's disease has ended, uh, I still miss her. She's uh, mm-hmm. She was my first home in this world. I lived in her body for nine months, and I lived in her arms for several years. Uh, after that, on occasion, I fed from her body for uh, for several years, and I was cared for her. I always had a place in her heart, and uh, I miss that. I can't talk to her anymore and, and hear back from her in the way I'm talking with you, and I can't touch her ever again with my hands. I, I can't give her a kiss ever again, and, and those things caused me to, to weep. I miss that, but That's I don't good. weep she bitter too I can look at the memories, and I can be grateful for what I had, and I can look forward to what I will have, and in a mysterious way, I can also rejoice in the relationship that I have with her now, certainly one different, a spiritual one rather than a physical one, but a real one in in any case still in the body of Christ, so uh, all of these things are are a positive benefit from Christian faith, things that I, I couldn't have done before I converted and was baptized and came to believe in Christ.
0: Yes, and, and and there's a let's continue off of that immediate immediate point there so you're obviously going going through this process you know, a, a month away from from your mother just passing away you know what is the appropriate way to to handle this grief because obviously your mother was very important to you you just outlined that in your own way there about the importance of her to your life and what is the way to appropriately handle grief Um, because obviously that's a lot different step than losing a puppy. Um, So, um, you know, with that being said,
1: born into, baptized into our mother's womb before we were baptized into the womb of the church, baptized into Christ, and that human formation that we receive from human love is really essential. And so when the the instruments of that formation, when those who have loved us, when those who have formed us and nurtured us, when we lose them, when we lose deep friends, uh, brothers and sisters, when we lose. part of ourselves because in every human relationship there's more than just two persons the sum is is the the whole is greater than the sum of its parts Mm -hmm. Uh, there's something about the relationship that's more than the two persons and so when i can no longer have the same kind of relationship with that person there's a part of me that dies and i feel that and i grieve that but again i don't grieve that in a despairing kind of way i don't grieve that in a way that my life will now be diminished not be fulfilled, or that I'll never have any kind of relationship with this person ever again, but I grieve it in a way that I miss what is, what used to be present, and I look forward to what will be future, and I celebrate what has been in the past, and there's, there's pain mixed in that. What I miss in the present is real, but it's also comforted, consoled by...
0: Yeah, the way that you described that there, kind of the thought that came to me was it's almost describing um, the 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 sum being greater than the part, and that being the part that you're missing. Almost after a breakup with someone, you know, you're no longer you know in a relationship together. Obviously, the example we're talking about here is is a finite and permanent one, um, being death. You can't come back together after that. But it, it seems to be that there's a lot of the same descriptions there, unless I'm missing something. Yeah, in a in a breakup,
1: I guess also in, in potentially losing a loved one, I I feel uh, that my grieving of my mother has a uh, has a certain pure quality to it. In, in a breakup, the, there can be some self love in there that I we can sort of miss what we were getting out of it. The loss of and and obviously that the person that we break up with is not dead to us. Uh, mm-hmm. There is some relationship. It's just, but it changes. We lose some dreams. We let go of something. We feel that pain. Um, obviously, the loss of a child would be different than a loss of a parent as well. There's a there's a whole future that's lost when a child dies. We have dreams and hopes for someone that can't be fulfilled in the way that we imagined they could. It's or, or similarly, perhaps, with the, with the loss of a spouse. So, yeah, all of those uh, different experiences, human losses, are worth feeling. I guess that's the important thing, is that, um, you know, just because we have faith doesn't mean that we should move into denial. I, I love the story of St. Bernard. He was uh, a doctor of the church and a, a man of tremendous faith. He reconstituted the Cistercian order by bringing 32 of his relatives to the monastery, was a powerful speaker and very persuasive, just an incredible figure, Mm -hmm. and he was giving a a series of sermons to his monks, and in the middle of uh, that series of sermons, his brother died, whom he was very close with, and he carried through and celebrated the funeral and uh, never shed a tear, because he had this belief that because of his hope in Christ, he shouldn't mourn should be stronger than that. He should believe more in eternal life than in weeping over his own grief. But then in the middle of giving one of his sermons, he just burst into tears. He couldn't take it anymore, and he began to weep. And then he started to share with his monks about how he had held everything in, and he had tried to be strong in his faith. And then he finally realized that the human loss is worth weeping about, that the way that his heart was broken, the way that he missed his brother— able to also affirm the truth of faith and hope to see his brother again and all of those things. But anyway, just uh, to reiterate the point, yeah, we should grieve, and grieving is good, but we don't want to grieve like those who have no faith, like those who have no hope. There's a a hopeful grieving, and there's a hopeless grieving, Mm -hmm. and we want to be Christians who have a hopeful grieving
0: when we lose someone that we love. Well, why don't we get into that? Because, you know, I guess everyone has this. Every, I guess you keep it your own way and there's probably an appropriate way to do it. Most of us are doing it the wrong way of kind of saying this guy's going on the right track based upon what they can see and the are judgments on the guy. And, you know, this guy isn't. So, therefore, we're never going to see him again. Um, and kind of going down the more hopeless route. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess my first question is, is that something that is a natural tendency that's worth pursu- worth continuing to pursue this kind of judgment on over pe- other people about, are they going up to heaven? Or are they going down to hell? Or are they going to be spending a lifetime in between? Um, or first of all, is that a natural thing to do um, with other people and or ourselves? And what direction... Should that have any impact based upon what you're saying about hopeful grieving or hopeless grieving? Yeah,
1: we can certainly worry about those questions. We don't really have any access to those answers, uh, so we always hope for the best. Uh, Or we could even say we hope for the, the midpoint that the person has at least gone to purgatory. That's why we celebrate funeral masses, and that's why we do a lot of praying for the dead, because... We say at least we hope that the person has been judged worthy, but maybe still in need of purification. And so we don't want to deny them the support that we might give them. And by the way, praying for someone, praying for their purification, continuing to accompany them on that journey from death into heaven through purgatory is uh, is a beautiful way also to, to mourn and to continue to be close to them. And so a lot of wisdom in the church's practice of just praying for all of the dead. We don't ever presume someone is in heaven unless the church validates that through canonization. Uh, we presume that they're at least in purgatory, and so we always pray for them. We hope that they're in heaven. And in either way, it doesn't make much difference in terms of how we relate with them. They're still close to us, still alive, very much alive in the body of Christ. And so uh, that's a, it's a good path to follow to, uh, yeah, presume that they're in purgatory and and pray for them. But on the flip side, I just heard a priest express it this way, and I love it. He says, the last great gift that we can give is a faithful life in the sacraments, because then after we die, our loved ones can have greater confidence that we're going to heaven. So... If we want to look at it from that perspective, by living our faith, by receiving of the sacraments, and then being ready for death through confession, through anointing, through the, through viaticum, Holy Communion, then our loved ones are going to find a lot of consolation in that. So it's the last gift that we can give, is to live the sacramenta, a sacramental life faithfully. Um, but in any event, for those who have died, it's... Uh, can reasonably presume that they're in purgatory and so we pray
0: for them that they can continue that process to be eternally with the Lord. Well off of what you just said there, um one of the goals of this cast being to get people to go and become more faithful in, in church life. Um I'm assuming that when you're saying being faithful through the sacraments you mean more than the last week or so of their life.
1: very end. Now, having said that, we shouldn't exclude ourselves from the sacraments at the very end. I (laughs) said conversion is better than no conversion, but an earlier conversion and a faithful life brings a lot of consolation to everybody, and I think all of us who have been to funeral homes and to funerals have seen the impact on loved ones who say, he was always so faithful. She loved the Lord so much. She was always in church. I know that she's with the Lord. She spent all of her time and attention and and focused her heart on him all the time. And so those kinds of consoling realities, uh, stay with loved ones after after someone has died. So as you said, yeah, we don't want to wait till the very end. We want to start living that now so that, because we don't know when the very end will be, the very end could be today or tomorrow. We don't know. So sure. let's certainly start living now if we haven't already started living a, a faithful life in Christ.
0: Yeah, that, that makes a whole lot of sense there. So the, I guess the natural question comes up next being what about those who weren't of the same type of faith as yourself? How do you mean that? Well, with them not having been a, a Roman Catholic in this case, uh, their, their views, at least the church's views of, of the sacraments that they would have had, are, are different. Um, you know, that they're not from the, the unbroken chain that is Roman Catholicism. So, you know, I, I guess that's the question with, with it being different. What is the interpretation from that point, you know, from that perspective?
1: difference between someone who really faithfully practiced their uh, their faith, their, their Christian faith, going to church, supporting the church, sharing the gospel, reading the scriptures, spending time in private prayer, um, and, and we should be consoled by that. So, again, we don't need to make judgments. Everybody's salvation is possible, so nobody is Definitely condemned from our perspective. The church never guarantees that. So after someone has died, we always hope for the best. And like I said, uh, even faithful practice outside of the church is still a consolation. So um, we want that. But obviously, the the ordinary way and the way that Christ is revealed to us, this, this way that we can count on, is the way of the sacraments and the way of the church. So why take chances? Why not go the, the way that's um, clear and straightforward? And, and so um, that's certainly what we want to encourage for our loved ones. But we shouldn't find ourselves in a kind of anxious mess that we need to force everybody under pain of death. You better become Catholic or I'm going to kill you. Uh, <laughs> that's not really helpful. Uh, but, you know, uh, we want to evangelize and we want to share the, the, the great gifts sacraments how consoling it is to be able to confess sins on your deathbed how consoling it is to have the grace of the sacraments and the support of the church how consoling it is to be able to say the prayers of the church i was able to pray through the whole commendation of the dying with my mother which is about an hour's worth of prayer in a a little pastoral care manual that the that the church has Mm -hmm. so beautiful calling on the prayers of the saints citing the Psalms and doing various readings, offering different prayers. And then she died about 20 minutes after I finished that. And it was just so consoling to pray through that all with her. I was able to give my mother the sacraments the day before she died. Beautiful gift,
0: just a beautiful
1: gift, and to have that consolation. Um, So anyway, we want to be generous in offering what we have and not focus as much on being anxious about what people may not have.
0: Okay, well, um, how do we... Because that anxiousness is something that, that we had discussed earlier in the cast that you had brought up there um, about our own deaths. And I think a lot of it is is, is what you see in other people and, 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 and how, I guess, it's perceived. And what is the appropriate way to deal about it for ourselves? Because you mentioned about how joy and liberating it can be when we get to the great spot, I guess A, how do we get there? And B, when do we know when we're there? Well,
1: uh, I know, uh, you know, the simple answer is that a Catholic in a state of grace is destined toward heaven or at least purgatory. So, am I in a state of grace? That's the simple question that, mm-hmm. that we. Can to be able to say, well, I really believe. Now, we there's no such thing as a grace meter. You can't order it on Amazon. But uh, we have a sense in our conscience, is there any mortal sin on my soul? Is there anything that I've done to rupture my relationship with Christ and the church? And although we can you know, be in, tempted to be scrupulous about that and find reasons why we may not be in the state of grace, and you know, we need to be serious about that, at the same time, as we enter into a regular practice of the faith, we have a pretty good sense, yeah, I'm in a state of grace, and if I have any questions about that, I go to confession, I confess those sins, and then I can be assured that I'm in a state of grace, and then I don't have to worry about death, because death will not be the end for me, death will not be the passageway to hell for me, and so in other words, God is not, he's not keeping secret the questions on the final exam. God is not playing games with us, and he's not trying to trick us into, uh, lull us to sleep so that he can catch us and condemn us to hell. It's not the point. Mm -hmm. Uh, He he really does give us all the tools that we need to be in a place of peace, so that if I die today, nobody looks forward to death, but at least supernaturally, I can look forward to death with confidence that I'm not going to hell, that I am going to
0: yeah, that's 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 great. So, um, so w- with the follow-up question, just kind of to make it black and white for everyone out there, how do you be in a state of grace? Well, as we've talked about
1: before uh, on the podcast show, and as I was just mentioning, basically, confess your sins. That's a simple answer. Uh, certainly, confess any mortal sin. Receive absolution. You're in a state of grace. If you haven't been baptized, get baptized be in a state of grace. And then we remain in a state of grace by following the commandments. Essentially, uh go to mass on Sunday, love your neighbor as yourself, and and follow the commandments and we remain in a state of grace. So, uh yeah, it's not it's not complicated and it's not meant to
0: be complicated. Yeah, it's amazing how many people try to make it complicated though. Stray <laughs> all the lines, muddy all the waters. <laughs> yeah. True. Anyway, so, so I, I appreciate you being able to make that black and white such a a challenging topic there as far as are you going down the right path or not and, and making it very black and white. So, so I definitely thank you for that. So as we're coming to a conclusion of this cast with about five minutes left, are there any points that you want to make sure that we, we get in here today to make sure that we hammer down and and conclude the conversation correctly.
1: Well, just to reiterate the one point, uh, one of the great blessings as Christians that we have is that we can face the death of loved ones. We can grieve, but in a positive, a hopeful way that has a kind of sweetness to it. And so it really makes the, the pain of death, of losing loved ones, something bearable, and even something positive, that we can be consoled that that loved one is no longer going through the suffering, that he or she is in a better place, and that we will be united with our loved ones again, and that we already have a mysterious a mystical union with them in the body of Christ. It makes a big difference to be Christian. Honestly, going through what I have with my mother, I have no idea how I would do it if I were not a believer. hmm The second point to reiterate and also to expand on in a concrete way is it's helpful to look at our own death, to to face that. In our Benedictine rule, St. Benedict tells his monks to keep death before your eyes every day. And when we live with death before our eyes, it doesn't make us morbid and depressed. It helps us to live more fully because today could be our last i don't look at that fearfully because i know that i'm in a state of grace and if i'm not i don't put that off i go to confession i return to a state of grace uh, but then also looking at death what am i afraid of so many times we're held back by fears that if we die today it doesn't really make a difference we're held back by fears oh maybe this person won't like me maybe this Will fail. Maybe I'll, I'll reach out and it won't work the way I want it to. Um, you know, we have these, these kind of fears and anxieties that have a way of just getting withered up when I say, in light of dying today, none of that really matters. And if I die today, I'm in a state of grace, it'll be fine. This gives us a deeper resignation, a deeper uh, trust and surrender to do the Lord's will. So we can live with more vigor, also knowing. It's kind of like that final sprint when you run a mile, you know, the last lap or so, you really kick it out and run harder. Mm -hmm. Today is your last day. This is the final sprint. So we can not sit back presuming I've got another 40, 50 years to live. I look at it and say, I really only have today. I have today. I have this moment guaranteed. What am I going to do with this moment? What am I going to do with this day? And there's a certain energy that comes to that when I realize this day could be my last. There's a, a little saying that's posted uh, in a lot of sacristies where the priest prepares to celebrate Mass. And it says, Priest of Jesus Christ, celebrate this Mass as if it were your first Mass, your last Mass, and your only Mass. And that's what it does for us to think about death. We celebrate, we live this day as if it were our first day, our last day, our only day. we live it with a greater importance, and so that practice of even thinking about death every day is uh, one that can lead us to
0: live more fully. And that's a beautiful way to put it. Um, to jump on to something that that you said earlier, it was an image you used, um, and it's kind of been sticking with me here through the conversation. Was when you said the soul animating the body has left. And that just kind of hit me, you know, in, I mean, biology, there's not really, you're, you don't chemically change before and immediately after death, but after your soul leaves you within a couple of days or weeks, you're decomposing chemically, nothing really has changed. You know, you still have the same calcium in your bones, the same hair on your face and all that stuff and that's just really something that had stuck with me through there and and you said it in a way like you were just taking it for granted like we all knew that um, so I wanted to kind of point that out there in that you know there, there's just some of these things that we think of and maybe not think of closely enough but can really show the spirit in your life you know on a on a regular basis so that was a thought that hit me there and just kind of wanted to to reiterate it there.
1: Yeah, it's an important point. The soul is the form of the body. The soul animates the body. The body is the expression of the soul. And they are intimately united, and they're not meant to be separated. Death is an unnatural thing. And uh, that's why we also believe in a glorified body. Our souls don't go and become angels. Mm-hmm. our souls will be united again with a glorified body we need something we need to express the soul and so uh, what that body has been during this life and we've gotten very used to that and we identify people's souls with their faces and voices and expressions and all of those kinds of things but uh, when the soul leaves then also the, the body is l- it's like a voice that has stopped having a, a something to speak from it you know the so that the, the sound travels out of our mouth but the sound dissipates. And the the body is like that, a kind of sound being expressed by the soul. But without the soul to continue forming words. The the voice just dissipates into nothing.
0: And and that makes a whole lot of sense there. So Father, I definitely thank you for for having this conversation with us here today and doing it from an airport. Um, I know that that we've we've been trying to get the scheduling in to get one out here today on our regular Tuesday. So I definitely thank you for going out of your way to be able to make sure we can get this one out to everyone today. And to everyone else, we we thank you for listening. We ask you to continue to to give us the reviews that you have been on wherever you're downloading the sites from. And to continue to follow us on Twitter and and keep retweeting us to let people know when the, the new casts are coming out. So we thank you all for listening, and we will be with you again here next week. Have a great week.